0: Hello, Duke fans, and welcome to DBR Bytes, episode number four. We're going to keep up the numbering of DBR Bytes sort of as long as we can keep track. It is now two numbers we have to track in terms of episodes instead of just one, but I think we can handle it. I am your host for this episode. I am Sam Klein. I am joined by Jason Evans, who will be in attendance at the Georgia Tech-Duke basketball game this Saturday in Atlanta. Jason, are you excited to see the Blue Devils again? Yes, I am, Uh, especially because I'm very, very hopeful that the result will be better than when I was at Clemson just uh, a week or so ago. (laughs) Excellent. All right. So we need to preview that Georgia Tech game. We also need to very quickly touch on the McDonald's All-American rosters, which came out yesterday and which feature a few future Blue Devils. So let's start, though, with the Georgia Tech game. Uh, Duke plays Georgia Tech, like I said, on Saturday. Jason's going to be in attendance. Jason, I guess before we get into the details of what to expect in the game, uh, I know you're going to be there. Are you available to to see any listeners uh, before or after the game? Uh, yes,
1: yes. So here's what I'm going to do. And as I mentioned on our last podcast, we've had a number of folks who've been like, hey, Jason, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to see you at the Georgia Tech game. So I'm going to be at the varsity before the game. If you are someone who's, coming in town who doesn't know the city of Atlanta, just Google the varsity. It is a legendary greasy spoon restaurant. It's huge by the way. So I'll be in one of the rooms on the ground floor. Let me put it that way. <laughs> and I'll probably I'll probably like make a little sign or something that'll say Duke basketball report or something like that. So people can find me. I'll certainly be wearing a Duke cap. Um, I can't wear a lot of Duke paraphernalia. Sam, as you know, when you go sit on press row, it's sort of frowned on to be too much of a fan. You have to be a little bit dispassionate. Uh, a Duke baseball cap is perfectly fine, but um, I'm not going to be wearing like, uh, like I have a Grant Hill jersey that I sometimes wear to games. I won't be wearing my Grant Hill jersey on press row.
0: Yeah, I, I think the Grant Hill jersey would be inappropriate, but yes, you can be you can be subtle enough and, and people can can figure it out. All right. yeah. So that's I, that.
1: I, wait, I forget. I'm not sure if I, two o'clock. Two o'clock. The game starts at three. I'll be at the varsity at two o'clock. Enjoying a chili dog and a chili burger and a peach pie. Sam, have you ever had a varsity peach pie?
0: No, but uh oh. sounds like a good way for me to fall asleep during the second half of the game. No, dude, legendary Fra-
1: deep fried peach pies at the varsity are like, uh chef's kiss. They are like one of my favorite things in the world to eat. Um, by doing this, my wife cannot tell me I can't have one because she won't be there to stop me. So I'll be enjoying my peach pie at the varsity at two o'clock, probably till around two thirty or so. Then I'll head over to the game. It's easy walking distance from one to the other. But um, anyway, uh, if there are any DBR podcast listeners out there attending the Georgia Tech game, come on by the varsity, find me and say hi, and we will connect and all that other fun stuff.
0: Great. Okay, so on to the actual game. When we previewed the Virginia Tech game, we said Virginia Tech is on this losing streak, and we really hope that it doesn't end uh, against Duke. We hope that Duke is able to continue Virginia Tech's losing streak. Obviously, that did not come to pass. I am going to issue the exact same intro to this Georgia Tech game, which is Georgia Tech is coming in on a six-game losing streak. They are merely 1-9 and in ACC play. Jason, how likely is it that Duke is going to uh, continue Georgia Tech's losing streak, which was most recently extended by Clemson just last night uh, in Little John? It was a blowout victory for Clemson. How likely is Duke to continue that against Georgia Tech?
1: I think it's pretty likely that the Blue Devils are going to win this game. It's a very different situation than Virginia Tech, uh, that was struggling mightily in the ACC. Georgia Tech struggles are not a team that has been losing a lot of close games. A team that had impressive wins earlier in the season and and seems to have run into some bad luck. Uh, no offense to Georgia Tech and Josh Pashner, who who is a friend of the podcast and and a guy I've met on several different occasions. This Georgia Tech team just appears to be. Bad, uh, like you said, they have an eight and twelve record, just one and nine in the ACC. And uh, look, they they had a close loss to Notre Dame in overtime early in the year. They lost to Utah by four, but most of these Georgia Tech losses are double digit losses, uh, and, and they've gotten smacked down by fifteen plus points six different times this year. And uh, th- this just doesn't look like a very good Georgia Tech team. You mentioned they're on a six game losing streak. They've lost four of those six games by double digits. Now, this is not to say they're incapable of winning games, especially at home, because they beat UGA. Georgia is uh, decent, competitive in the SEC. They beat Miami. Look, we know Miami's good. Both those games were at home, and they were much earlier in the season. Um, It appears this Georgia Tech team is better at home than on the road by a significant margin. And it's worth noting that just a week or so ago, they were... Pretty competitive with Pitt, and we know Pitt's a decent ACC team. They're very competitive with a, with Pittsburgh um, in a home game until Pitt stretched it out late. But I, I just feel like I, I don't know what Duke is going to show up. We've seen uh, Duke teams that have really, really struggled. I feel like Georgia Tech is on a different level. It To me, if this is a really close competitive game deep into the second half, I will be a little bit disappointed at least that Duke hasn't
0: found a way to to improve what what they've been doing lately. There's nothing on Georgia Tech's schedule maybe other than that Miami win that indicates that Georgia Tech has what it takes to beat a a top team. I guess the question right now is is what is what is Duke really playing at because they've been kind of all over the place the last couple of weeks and we still don't know. I mean we we know that Tariq Whitehead is is at least Uh, Out for the moment, but and we're pretty sure that he's not playing on Saturday. But we don't know sort of the uh, how how good Jeremy Roach is going to feel. We know that in that Virginia Tech game, there uh, there was a fair amount of fatigue from the Blue Devils that uh, they they you know hopefully have time now to to rest and recover. Sam, it's
1: it is worth noting that first of all, in terms of Jeremy Roach, that that game was you know less than forty eight hours we approximately 48 hours after Duke's previous game on Saturday. I think some of that fatigue may have been Duke's players playing, uh, you know, essentially uh, a really, really close to a back-to-back games. And, and we have a much longer stretch
0: ahead of this contest with Georgia Tech. And then starting to look into the, into the actual matchup here. I think this thing that stands out to me the most, Jason, and you'll, you'll touch on this, I think a little more is the extent to which Duke should have an enormous size and rebounding advantage against the yellow jackets.
1: Oh boy, yeah, big time. This, this is uh this is a tech team that is a fairly small team. Um th- they have a, a senior big man Rodney Howard who's the only guy on the team who's taller than six eight but he's a very limited player. Like you know we're talking about a guy who averages like five points per game, five rebounds per game, basically plays right around half the game for them. He's been playing a little more than half lately just because Georgia Tech I think has been getting clobbered on, on the boards and and knows that they have a size challenge. And, and so they've been trying to get him in more and more. But this is not someone who you would expect to have a, a big impact on the game. He's not going to block a lot of shots. He's not going to grab a ton of rebounds. He's probably going to have his hands full dealing with Ryan Young and the other Duke post players. The the big advantage Duke's going to have is in Kyle Filipowski, who's going to be ra- matched up, I, I would imagine, with either sophomore um, Dallin Coleman or Jalen Moore. Both of them are sophomores. And good luck to them trying to stop Kyle. They're both like 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, They're going to be giving up 20-plus pounds to Kyle Filipowski. I, I, I think that's a really, really bad matchup for Georgia Tech. And then just across the board, Duke is
0: going to be bigger at virtually every position
1: on the floor, perhaps significantly bigger at a lot
0: of them. And even without Dariq Whitehead, Duke still has plenty of a size advantage against Georgia Tech. The other thing that kind of stands out to me, Jason, and maybe you can touch on this more, is... Georgia Tech's sort of limited offensive ability. Uh, they're not a good three-point shooting team, so I imagine you'll see a lot of uh, clanging three-pointers all over the place in this one because Duke has not quite figured out how to, how to write that, at least, in a, at least in a repeatable way. And they're not even really great at, at scoring from the interior. Like you said, they're a little undersized. And so Georgia Tech, especially against an ACC slate, is having a really hard time scoring the basketball.
1: Yeah, let me get into their advanced stats because this is what you're sort of leaning me toward. They're ranked 163rd, Georgia Tech is, in Ken Palm. 213th on offense, which you know, really, like you said, really struggling on offense. 129th on defense, which also isn't good, but it's certainly certainly better than uh, what they are on offense. The only thing, the only thing they do well on offense is hang on to the ball. This is a Georgia Tech team that does not commit a lot of turnovers. So they get a ton of shots, but they don't make those shots. They are 295th in the country in three-point field goal percentage. Like we think Duke's a bad three-point shooting team. This Georgia Tech team, you know, right there alongside Duke as one of the worst uh, three-point field goal teams in the country. And then to make things even worse, when they get closer to the basket, they're 279th in two-point field goal percentage shooting. They don't shoot their free throws. very, They're less than 70% from the free throw line. You know, they're they're just... Every sort of metric that you have for measuring how a team does on offense, Georgia Tech for a power five conference team is really bad at them. And and I should mention one of the things that they are like among the 10 worst teams in the country yet is getting to the free throw line. Their percentage of free throws that they take compared to their other shots is like, again, in the bottom 10 in the country. So, you know, they just don't they don't score in easy ways. They don't score in difficult ways. They don't score a lot um on defense the one thing they do is they protect the three point line pretty well their opponents hit just under 31% of their threes in the season which is you know a really good number for a defense the problem for georgia tech is duke duke's not going to be relying on the three point line a lot we've we've talked all season about the fact that duke's not a great three point shooting team and uh, the, the only other thing that georgia tech does well on defense is they they block shots fairly well um but they play at a slow pace i expect this to be a really low scoring affair and uh, you know uh, this Georgia Tech team. I'm struggling to find places of optimism for them when facing Duke. The only real one would be if Duke has another one of these games on the road where we just can't hit the broadside of a barn.
0: The other challenge that Josh Passner's team has this year is something that that is similar to Duke, other than the three point shooting, is the lack of experience in their roles. You see a Georgia Tech team with a lot of transfers. Uh, who are relatively young. It's not like it's it's full of of grad students. And the returning players for Georgia Tech are all playing much bigger roles than they have in the past. So if you go look at like the the top minutes getters from from last season on Georgia Tech, almost none of them are are still in Atlanta uh, playing for Josh Passner. So this has been a just ongoing challenge for him this year is how to figure out how to use the lineup that he has this season, which is so different.
1: Well, Sam, you may recall a few years ago, it was like three or four years ago, we interviewed Josh Pastner on this program. Folks, if you haven't heard that interview, a lot of what he has to say are things that would still apply today. And one of the things I vividly, vividly remember Josh Pastner saying to us was, we need to get old and stay old, which I thought was a really, really interesting comment from him. He was saying that, look, he can't compete with Duke and UNC and the the stud freshmen, so his teams need to rely on guys who are more experienced and a little bit older and when he won the acc title a couple of years ago that's what they did they had a team that was just loaded with guys who were you know at least in their third year many of them in their fourth and even fifth year of playing college basketball and that's just not the case as you alluded to that is not the case anymore they are mostly sophomores so they're not old you know i'm sure in a couple of years <laughs> they'll be old again and they'll probably be very competitive again but this year they're absolutely not old and as a result
0: they are really struggling to keep up with other teams in the ACC so that's the Georgia Tech game that will be played on Saturday uh, like we said Jason will be in attendance so make sure you uh, if you're in if you're going to be there uh go find him and and bother him for a few minutes which is great and we Jason will look forward to your report from that one uh, and then, of course, we will recap that game after it happens. Not sure if we'll get to do that immediately following Saturday, or if we needs to wait till Sunday. But uh, hopefully, it's not eventful enough that that we feel compelled to do it immediately. Sam, there are two other really quick things I wanted to mention regarding this Georgia Tech game. The
1: first one is, uh, as we as we've heard, you know, we know Dariq Whitehead a. I guess we don't know it for a fact. There's no way Derek White, but there's no way Derek Whitehead is going to be playing on Saturday. We don't know how long he's going to be out. On the last podcast, we were all very, very pessimistic. There's been some rumors, I would call them, that maybe Derek Whitehead's injury isn't as bad as initially feared. That you know, that maybe it's not something like a torn Achilles, and that he may make it back at some point. We have nothing confirmed about that, but I just want folks to to know that's a possibility still, which is great news for Duke. But the first thing I want to look at is how does Duke's rotation change with no Dariq Whitehead? I think it's easy to see Jeremy Roach slipping back into the starting lineup. That was almost to be expected anyway. But the question is, what does it do to the guard rotation? Maybe does this make room for Jaden Shoot? perhaps a little bit? I mean, Jalen Blakes has also been banged up with the, with the mask and the nose. There's a possibility there that we maybe we begin to see a little bit of Jalen Blakes against Jordan. Sorry, not Jalen Blakes, Jaden Shoot. Against against Georgia Tech, so that's something I'm really looking forward to in this game. And then the other thing is, I, I I went ahead and looked at Duke's shooting at home and on the road because there there's just a huge difference. And this Duke team, if they're going to make anything out of the season, they're going to have to figure out how to shoot away from Cameron. I'm going to give you the numbers, Sam, and, and I don't think they'll surprise you, <laughs> but but they're still but they are still shocking numbers. So. Duke averages 79 points per game at home. Big number. Granted, that number is skewed a little bit because Duke plays a lot of lesser opponents at home, the, those buy games. But still, 79 points per game at home. We're only averaging 65 points per game on the road. In terms of two-point field goals, Duke hits 46% at home. Could be better. Believe me. I, I, I think as a team, you should be shooting for 50%. But Duke's at 46% on two-point field goals at home, only 40% on two-point field goals on the road. That's an atrocious number. 40% is really, really bad. And here come the three-point numbers. Oh my gosh, the three-point numbers are stunning. At home, Duke's hitting 37.3% of our three-point field goals. That's a great number. 37% from three? If this Duke team hit 37% from three all the time, we would be one of the best teams in the country. No question about it. The bad thing is on the road, Duke's hitting only 26.2%, barely a quarter. So uh, there's just such huge splits in what this team does on the at home and on the road in terms of their shooting. I, I'm hoping maybe this Georgia Tech game will be the beginning of reversing that trend because if this Duke team starts to hit some shots in the road and we we hit some shots against Virginia Tech, I mean, we boosted those numbers against Virginia Tech. If we keep on shooting like that, then we become a much, much more dangerous team, and all the predictions that oh, this Duke team's in huge trouble go out the window. If this team starts to shoot a little bit better, if we shoot on the road a little bit closer to the way we shoot at home,
0: well, let's see if Duke can manifest that against an undersized uh, Georgia Tech team. This will be, I think, one of the one of the easiest games. Hopefully, that Duke has the rest of the way in in conference. So, at least in terms of road games, definitely so uh jason i think we've gone long enough that we need to take a quick break uh when we get back we will touch on the mcdonald's all-american game rosters which feature three duke blue devils or at least duke blue devils as of the fall of 2023 stay tuned All right, we're back, and we need to, Jason, quickly touch on the McDonald's All-American game, which, uh, among others, is going to feature three incoming Blue Devils. Mackenzie Mbako, Sean Stewart, and Jared McCain are all going to be uh, on the team. Uh, Mbako and and Stewart are playing for the East team. McCain is playing for the West team. There are two other uh, Duke recruits coming in next year who did not make the McDonald's All-American game. TJ Power is not eligible for this game. He is a fifth-year. Uh, Caleb Foster, Jason, do we want to say that Caleb Foster is the is the snub here because he is eligible yeah. for this game? And, and according to the composite rankings, he's one of the top 20 recruits in the country, but he is not on the roster for the McDonald's All-American game. Do you want to start with him?
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, there, there's little question that Caleb Foster, he's the highest rated player who didn't make the McDonald's All-American game. And a lot of people looked at the roster and were like, how on earth does Caleb Foster not not make it into this game? I mean, the reality is, I think they felt like they had to pick Bronny James. I, and by the way, I don't blame Bronny James. He didn't do anything wrong. He's incredibly famous, and uh, everyone wants to see him. I'm sure that the ratings for the McDonald's All-American game will be far, far better with him in it than they would have been without him in it. And let's not forget, the game is televised. They're, you know, the attention that the game brings to the players and to McDonald's and to ESPN and everybody, it it matters. So I think they kind of had to pick Bronny James and they had to leave someone out. They decided to leave Caleb Foster out. It's not that big a deal. Caleb Foster will get to play in other high school All-Star games. There are several of them now that have a lot of the same players sort of shifting around in them. I mean, like, look, last year, Kyle Filipowski was also a fifth year guy, so he wasn't able to participate in or sorry, he wasn't a fifth year guy, but Flip was the guy who was sort of the guy who was um, who was snubbed for the McDonald's All-American game. And people were like, oh, how could you do that to Flip? He ended up playing in other all star games against the same players. So it's not that big a deal. We'll still get to see Caleb Foster performing against these top players. I,
0: I, I just don't I can't get upset about it. And which, if any of the Blue Devils, the, the future Blue Devils, are you most excited to see? Uh, either in this game or or on this uh, All Star Circuit at the end of the season, Mbako, remember, is the is kind of the biggest recruit that that Duke has uh, coming in, at least the the highest rated. But any of them that you're particularly excited to see in this environment?
1: <laughs> it's a cop out to say I'm excited for all three of them. I think I'm most excited for Jared McCain. It feels to me like Jared McCain is the guy who has elevated his stature and his ranking the most. Over the past um, you know, six months or, or or since last summer, since he committed to Duke. Uh we we love, we need an outside shooter. Jared McCain appears to be one of the, if not the best shooters in the class. And 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 look, he's a kid. I follow him on TikTok. He's a ton of fun on you know, he's got millions of followers on TikTok. He's just a a fun kid with an effervescent personality. I think there's a decent chance he may be at Duke for more than one year. And, and we love to hear about that. So I think, I think Jared McCain's the guy I'm I'm, I'm interested in seeing how he does, you know, with that outside shot and with his scoring ability against other elite high school players, because sometimes what guys do in high school doesn't translate well to the college level. (laughs) Really? Who,
0: I mean, do we have any recent examples of that?
1: Oh yeah. Hey, look in the McDonald's all American game last year, I went back and I looked up the stats. The best player in the game was Cam Whitmore, who went to Villanova. Uh, the other top performers in the game were Mark Mitchell, Dariq Whitehead, and Keontae George, who went to Baylor. Look, th- those guys have all been good this season. But other than maybe Keontae George, none of those guys are going to be all-conference players. I'm not sure any of those guys are the best player on there. T- I-, I know for a fact Cam Whitmore is not the best player in Villanova. Mark Mitchell, Dariq Whitehead are not the best players on, on Duke. Um, again, Keontae Jordan, maybe a little bit, but uh, the other thing is the two worst players in the game last year, the two worst players, the McDonald's all American game, like barely scored at all. Didn't play a lot, had no impact on the game Were Brandon Miller and Grady Dick, Brandon Miller is probably going to be the sec player of the year Plays for Alabama is having an incredible season. And Grady Dick is a ridiculous shooter for top 10 ranked Kansas. Duke saw that up close, you know, earlier this season. I feel like the McDonald's all American game
0: maybe doesn't tell us very much at all. So, you know, so you'd think it's the McDonald's all American game is really more for fun than it is uh, for, for projecting sort of who the stars of college basketball or, or even of the, of the G league are going to be. Next season, yeah,
1: because so. these these All Star games, they don't have enough practice to really get to know each other and do things in a very sophisticated kind of way. I, I talked about the fact that Kyle Filipowski did not play in the McDonald's game; he played in some of the other All Star games last summer and didn't look that good. A lot of people were saying, "Oh, it looks like he's he's having trouble getting his shot off. He looks just slow against these other players." I'm not sure he's going to be much of an impact for Duke. He, he's having an incredible freshman season. In fact, we should do a DBR bites at some point debating the best freshman seasons in Duke history, I think Kyle Felipowski might might be higher on the list than you would expect. That's how good of a season he's having. It's not even done yet. But I, I just, you know, it's fun to watch these guys. It's great to get a hint at, you know, at what they can do, especially against other really, really good players. But in terms of being predictive about what they'll be in college, we are seeing this year up close, both among Duke guys and a lot of other guys, that just because you play great, or just because you play terrible, it doesn't say all that much about how you're going to play once you get
0: to college. I'm now looking over the list of of the top recruits for next season, and I need to uh, make an amendment, or I need to retract a statement I made many months ago uh, about recruiting, which is that I mentioned that it was incredible that Mark Mitchell and Grady Dick were playing on the same high school team in this, you know, at this school in in Kansas, Sunrise yeah. Christian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sunrise christian has four of the top 50 basketball recruits on their team this season uh, yeah and and that's just among guys who are in the senior class yeah uh, it, only one of them another... is playing only one of them is playing in the mcdonald's all-american game but four of the top 50 go to mark mitchell and grady dicks high school in kansas
1: yeah sunrise christian is becoming another montverde academy and there are a few other schools like that uh sierra canyon out in uh, California, there there are these schools across the country in different regions where if you're like a top 100 basketball player in your class, you're like, I need to go to that school, play with other guys who are top 100 players. They all just basically play each other all year long. Like, I mean, they don't even bother to play other high school teams in their area because it's, you know, it'd be outrageous. They'd they'd win the games by 50, 100 points or or more. Um, They're very much becoming basketball finishing schools. It is what it is. Um, we've seen basketball becoming a bigger and bigger deal further and further down the line, you know, in college, in high school, on the AAU circuit, I I'm not at all surprised that these guys are all flocking to these places where they get the best
0: coaching, the best facilities and the best competition. All right, Jason, uh, any other commentary on the McDonald's all American game before we get out of here? Yeah,
1: just super quick. I wanted to mention Bronny James and he is you have to talk about him for at least a second because um, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how he does in this game. He he is considering apparently Ohio State, Oregon, and USC. Uh, I think it's LeBron has said that there may be a few other schools on the list. Um, Duke is apparently not one of the schools. We were considered connected to Bronny James at one point earlier in his, in his high school career. I think that I think LeBron and Bronny really want him to go someplace where he can be a truly featured player. And that's just going to be difficult at Duke because Bronny's just ranked a little bit lower than most of the other guys in the Duke class. Um, But I'm just really interested in, in seeing how he does in this game and following his career, because it's so, it's so compelling that one of the top two, top three, whatever you want to call it, maybe number one basketball players of all time has a son who who's old enough to play with his dad at some point. And that's just exciting and fun to think about. And the other thing I wanted to note about Bronny really quickly is that there was a little article I read about him that mentioned that uh, one ACC coach said he'd tried to get involved in recruiting Bronny, but he couldn't even get through to him. Like literally this is different than any other recruitment because this ACC coach said he had to talk to a publicist who would then give him a time that he could talk to Bronny's mother talking to Bronny was off limits talking to LeBron of course is off limits but you can talk to the mom on Tuesdays and Thursdays if you make an appointment that's crazy for a high school recruit it's absolutely bonkers and there was an SEC coach who said that they wanted to get involved but it was like too difficult they couldn't get involved in recruiting him it was they couldn't figure it out until they went oh well we'll move on to other players because it's just too hard too difficult to even get in touch with this kid
0: and it it comes with a lot of attendant attention because you get LeBron but then you also have to deal with all of that. And if you are not a school that is prepared for that sort of craziness, then uh, it's probably not worth the effort. And the, the difficulty in contacting him is probably uh, emblematic of, of that sort of thing. All right, Jason, we're getting out of here. Uh, there may be more bites before the game on Saturday. So stay tuned for that. Uh, Donald also maybe maybe back for one of those, although he's not on this episode. So, For Jason Evans, who is here, for Donald Wine, who is not, but who is always with us in spirit, I am Sam Klein. This has been DBR Bytes, episode number four. Stay in touch with us, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. We will talk to you again soon. Go hang out with Jason on Saturday at the Varsity before the Duke-Georgia Tech game. Okay, I think that's it. Duke band, take us home.
1: Do you find that your Kenpom subscription logs you out like every time you walk away from the damn computer?
0: Um, yes, but I usually am doing this on my work computer where um, it like has all these security settings where it doesn't let me like stay logged into anything um, gotcha. that's on my personal. So uh, I, and I don't do it regularly enough on my on my personal computer to have a sense for it. But yes, it it logs me out a lot on on my work computer. I mean, it isn't it
1: isn't a big deal to me that it does. I, I just logged right back in.
0: Yeah. But I do notice that, I'm, that like, the literally. Most, yeah. The most annoying thing on, on the work computer is that it doesn't autofill passwords, so I have to go to my, like, password list to copy it in every time. It's so, like, I oh. remember, I know our Kenpon password because it's, like, actually a logical password, but, like, I usually just have, you know, Google suggest a crazy password for everything, so right. I don't know any of my passwords. So if I'm ever, like, Oh, I want to look at like, you know, whatever. If I wanna like buy a plane ticket while I'm on my work computer, I have to go get my, you know, Southwest Airlines uh uh password and then copy it in, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, No constantly. fun. No. Um where, okay. I, I, I can't I, I
1: honestly can't believe that we're not at the point where we have biometrics that just do all this stuff. It should be
0: your fingerprint, your your face. I mean I it, It is that way on my phone. The problem is that, like, on my work computer, there's all these – they have, like, extra security settings that they don't let me do that kind of stuff. So Right. Now, I'm saying in general, the fact that passwords still exist
1: is a mystery to me. I I, I don't – it doesn't make any sense to me.